This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 122, for Thursday, January 5th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Chris Jericho's music, which you can probably find on most WWE compilation albums, YouTube, etc. Call in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call in number is 347-324-3541. If you'd like to leave a message on our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-8150-MTR or 0687. Happy holidays, folks. Happy New Year. Coming off a lengthy and well-deserved break, I'm glad to be back entertaining you guys for another three-hour MTR extravaganza, hopefully. Um, A lot has gone on in the last couple of weeks that we've been off air just some new developments with regards to MTR 4.0 and the typical resolutions that we all come up with to justify changing ourselves for the new year. I'll be glad to tell you guys that I have no fucking resolutions. All the resolutions I have are the same ones that I've kept since I've done MTR and that's to give you the best of what I can about the most of the shit that I know And that's it, and entertain you guys with wrestling, MMA, video games, and movies. That actually is going to be expanding in the coming months. I'll just leave you guys with that. That's going to go into a new level for MTR, more on the movie side than anything else. I don't want to spoil too much because we are currently working on it, but rest assured, the MTR family is going to grow just a smidge more. With that said... We are making some adjustments to MyTakeRadio.com with the MTR 4.0 being worked on. A lot of changes coming with that. In addition, we are going to be doing some things a little differently going forward with regards to pacing of the show, which I talked about before we went on the holiday break. There will be one or two weeks where I am going to record MTR in micro-episodes, so to speak. So there will be... MTR MMA episode, wrestling, movie, and video game episodes separated. They will not be live. They'll be recorded and will be uploaded to iTunes. Um, Obviously, the app subscribers and Stitcher users will get a crack at them first, but it's a test that we're going to try out just to see what kind of feedback we get doing shorter shows dedicated to each subject that we cover. Obviously, a lot of you guys are fans of the live show, But with the amount of prep work that's required and the hit and miss with certain episodes, I'm just going to start weighing out my options. As of right now, though, the live component is not going anywhere. But in all fairness, I did want to keep you guys informed of what's going on. Our Amazon affiliate store did pretty good for the holidays. Some people did their shopping through 
the Amazon shop helped us out. Just want to remind you guys that every purchase you do through our Amazon affiliate store helps MTR. It allows us to expand our equipment. It allows us to do a variety of different things with regards to just improving the show for you guys. So don't think that we are doing the Amazon affiliate store to line our pockets and bullshit. On the contrary, any money that's made from that for being an affiliate is going to MTR. It's going to improve equipment. It's going to improve coverage, etc., etc. So if you are a constant Amazon user and want to help us out, just hit up the MTR affiliate store and you'll be able to get your shopping done through there. All the reliability of Amazon with none of the headaches with any kind of third-party shit attached. It's just Amazon as usual, but you're helping MTR. Our MTR shirts are still around. I have been weighing heavily, uh, taking them down for a bit and just coming up with some new designs. Not 100% sure where I want to go with that. I've been doing a lot of deliberating over the holiday break, and that was one of the things I did want to address, much like we did with the forum, which... It went the way it went and we removed it. The shirts are in the same category. Our Facebook fan page, we are over 1,600 fans. We did not get to hit the 2,000 fan mark. Uh, It is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and harp on the numbers, good, bad, or otherwise. We are still doing better than a lot of people out there that like to steal our shit. You motherfuckers know who you are. Um, So it brings a smile to my face that we are still successful coming into 2012. I do want to take a moment and acknowledge a couple of entities that are out there that have, that are on the come up that while they are on the come up and doing some cool things, they are borrowing certain influences from us. Don't think I don't see that shit. We'll just leave that alone. But those particular parties know who they are and they know that I do see them and it's cool, you know, cop it's, it's a sincere form of flattery. So it's fine. I have no issue with that, but Don't get too cocky and borrow too much of our shit because I will show up on your doorstep. Um, That's pretty much it with regards to the housekeeping. Everything else is business as usual. We got some new equipment on air this week. We got some stuff being recorded externally, giving the computer a little bit of a break. Got a noise gate, a couple of things that Santa Claus, a.k.a. my wife, got me for Christmas. So all of this stuff is being put to use tonight. So if there's anything... um, a miss with regards to the broadcast, by all means, please let me know and we can move towards addressing it. For those of you that are not using the app and are just listening to the show on iTunes or getting it from Blog Talk Radio, remember that you can listen to MTR via the Stitcher app. It's a free app. Just go to stitcher.com forward slash my take. Enter my take in the promo code and you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card. Stitcher allows you to stream episodes of MTR without any necessity to sync or add MP3s to your mobile devices. It works with with iOS devices, Android phones, WebOS phones, and Blackberries. So again, Stitcher.com forward slash MyTake. Enter the MyTake promo code and you can be entered to win 100 bucks. Not only that, but it's just another way for you to get the show on demand. Last but not least, just want to get into... A couple of things that we are going to be changing. The MTR Behind the Mic and Beyond the Mic series will continue this year. I'm going to try and do at least one of each per month with different guests from different areas of entertainment, whether it's podcasters, uh, comic book artists, comedians, uh, tech personalities. It's going to run the gamut. That stuff will continue. 
We are also going to be bringing back the Minority Film Report. Slick and I have been discussing that over the holiday break. The Minority Film Report will return. It's going to have a little bit of a Mystery Science Theater vibe to it. We're going to do a couple of things differently. Uh, still in the in the feeling out process, but we got some really kick-ass ideas for that. Tonight's topics. UFC 141. We're going to talk about the Dream Event. Monday Night Raw. We got a decent amount of gaming news. We definitely got some what-the-fuck movie news. And we have some toy news, which kind of tie into some TV news. And it definitely ties into what-the-fuck movie news. And I know for sure our very own Dark Helmet longtime listener will have much to say about this particular tidbit of information. But before I get into that, let's talk about the opening monologue. Of course, this past holiday break, a lot of stuff happened and... You know, some things were newsworthy, so to speak, that I wanted to discuss on the show. Some things were just frustrating. But all of that took a backseat to three things that happened on the closing of 2011 and the opening of 2012. And I want to start off first with something that happened during UFC 141. Many of you may know that UFC 141 was given away for free to over 30,000 Xbox Live subscribers. Of course, like any good thing that's given out for free, it was bound to fuck up, which it did. UFC 141 did not get to air on Xbox Live for everyone. It did for a few select people, but for everybody else, shit. I was one of them. I was supposed to be watching the pay-per-view on Xbox Live, uh, courtesy of our friends of, at MMA Valor, and unfortunately, the shit hit the fan, shit went crazy, and nobody got to see it. Now, the funny thing is, 30,000 people hit the Xbox Live service at once to download this event, and if you didn't think there were going to be fucking problems, you got another thing coming. Now, my issue with this whole situation isn't the fact that Microsoft wasn't prepared or Xbox Live wasn't prepared. It is the fact that people took to Twitter to bitch about the fact that they couldn't watch a fucking free pay-per-view. Listen to this. You are bitching because something that was offered for free is broke. Microsoft and the UFC, of course, honored uh, are going to honor and give... Xbox Live subscribers a new free show, you know, whether it's UFC Brazil or whatever, they are going to get a free event. But people were on Xbox hardcore bitching that they couldn't watch the pay-per-view for free. And and I just couldn't believe some of the commentary. Fuck you. Fuck you, Microsoft. Xbox Live is shit. Blah, blah. You're talking about a an infrastructure that is just now welcoming streaming events on demand. Yeah, you can watch Hulu and Netflix and all that shit, but I really doubt 30,000 people are going to jump on Netflix to watch the newest episode of Blue Mountain State. It's not going to fucking happen. With Xbox Live doing UFC, it was bound to end terribly. But it every, you know, it was a it was a good trial and I'm sure Microsoft is going to take care of it. The worst part is that People just just don't appreciate shit. It's like, what if Microsoft wouldn't have given you a fucking thing? What would you have been doing? Spending $60 like everybody else. Or, you know, going and streaming that shit from some server in fucking Sri Lanka. From some little fucking Tibetan guy with his finger up his ass. 
And then you would have bit you wouldn't have bitched then. You wouldn't have bitched about shitty quality then. Oh no. No, you wouldn't have. You would have watched it and you would have shut your face. But unfortunately, people don't appreciate free shit. Now, I was going to save this other portion of the monologue, which ties into the uh, this particular UFC event for the MMA segment, but I really need to address it, and that is the subject of Brock Lesnar. For those of you that missed UFC 141 or are not MMA fans, Brock Lesnar lost in his fight against Alistair Overeem, and right after that fight, he retired. Now, the reason that I have issue with this isn't because the man retired. The guy had over 12 inches of his intestine taken out due to diverticulitis. The guy is a beast to recover and come back to fight one of the most lethal heavyweight strikers in the game. My issue stems from the fact that people, once again, fickle MMA fans go on Twitter. Fuck Alistair Overeem, yo. Fuck Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's a pussy. He pussied out. You are taking an asteroid-sized knee into the fucking stomach from a guy who is 260 pounds. And because you did not want to shit out your intestines or vomit blood, you're a pussy? Are you fucking serious, dude? And there were a lot of people that said that. Regardless of my personal um, issues with Brock Lesnar, whether I like him or I don't like him, the man took a knee to the stomach from an area where probably 12 inches of his intestine were fucking missing. And to sit there and call that guy a pussy, you armchair quarterback, jizz-drinking pieces of shit, boggles my fucking mind. And and you see them, all these armchair MMA fans, Brock Lesnar's a fucking quitter, yo. Fuck that guy. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Simple as that. The guy has kids... He still has, you know, sex with Sable. The the guy needs to be able to wake up and tie his fucking shoes. And if he felt that retiring was was in his best interest, so be it. If he wants to go back to the WWE, so be it. Because guess what? Taking a fake chair shot isn't going to burst your fucking intestines versus taking a knee from Alistair Overeem. Seriously. And 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 I see these people just just doing that. And I got to shout out Billy Nichols from Structure Gaming. Because he was one of the first people I saw on Twitter saying that he pussied out. Yes, uh, I, I don't care. I gotta say it. And I, I really was bummed out. I was bummed out to see something like that written. Because I know Billy Nichols and the guy knows his wrestling. He's a good wrestling fan. But to say that that a guy who is a professional caliber athlete that decided to not continue... Because he was getting his ass whooped is a pussy boggles my mind. It really does. And, you know, I, I'm very I'm very disappointed in hearing that from somebody who's a wrestling fan and knows a, a good deal about wrestling. So it, it bummed me out. It really did. And like I said, Brock Lesnar, I met him. He was a fucking dick. But I also know that diverticulitis is serious shit. I also know that... Getting 12 inches of your fucking intestine removed is serious fucking business. I don't give a fuck how tough you are. There's going to be some lasting effects. So, it, it I was just bummed out from those two events. Now, it wouldn't be a new episode of MTR, much less a great opening monologue, without taking our friends at GameStop to task. This fucking sweatshop of a gaming store is 
95% of the time staffed by some of the most water-headed motherfuckers I know. Seriously. These balloon-headed stupid assholes that actually sit there and tell you bullshit that's 9 times out of 10 misinformation is is disheartening and appalling. And I'll tell you why. For those of you that know, Josh, one of our writers, is, is a dad. He has a little girl. She is age three, and she is adorable. But besides that, she likes to play Connect, and she's really into it. And I said to myself, a really great game would be Connectimals for her, given the fact that she, she had purchased a Build-A-Bear, and you can actually stick the Build-A-Bear into Connectimals, you scan the barcode, and the bear that you purchase at Build-A-Bear actually goes into the game. Pretty cool, because it looks exactly like the bear that she bought. So, when I heard that, I said, you know what, let me go get her this game as part of a holiday gift. I took it upon myself to walk into my local GameStop at Roosevelt Field Mall here in New York City, and I don't give a fuck, they are right by Build-A-Bear, For those of you that don't want to go to that GameStop, know that it is the GameStop by Build-A-Bear in Roosevelt Field. Anyway, so I walk in there, I get on the line, It's like I felt like I was redeeming food stamps from how long this line was, even though there were five people at the counter working, and I say that in quotes, but anyway, I get up to the counter, I go, listen, I need to pick up a copy of Connectimals with bears, so the guy goes... Uh, listen, bro, they don't make that game anymore. We don't have it. And number number one, how the fuck do you tell me that without even reading your fucking computer, you emo prick? But no, I proceeded to tell the guy, I'm like, look, dude, I really don't think that the game is discontinued. Can you see if, you know, you guys have it in stock, maybe used? Oh, we don't have it. And I said to myself, this, and it just welled up inside of me, and I got so mad. And I said, how the fuck are you going to tell me that you don't have this game when I saw the game in fucking Best Buy? My wife was holding the game, and she went, hey, look, Connectimals with Bears the day before. And this fucking 825 piss-drinking son of a bitch tells me that they stopped making it. A game that has sold millions of copies for Connect units, and this fuckbag proceeds to tell me that they don't make it anymore. Needless to say, I left out of there in a fucking huff, to which, you know, Josh and my wife and his wife were like, what's the matter? And I'm like, this GameStop is full of shit. And then I stormed down to the next GameStop, because there's two in the same mall, nothing says I want to fuck you in the ass more than two GameStops three inches from each other. So I proceeded to walk to the next GameStop, get there, dude bro behind the counter, and the reason I call him the dude bros is because it's dude and bro, what's up dude, what can I do for you bro? And I was like, look man, I need connectables with bears. Guy looks, doot doot doot, he goes, listen, holiday rush, you know, the connect was a hundred bucks, Sorry, dude, we're sold out. So, that's what it was. Dude and bro. Sorry, we got no we got no game for you. No problem. He looked in the computer, told me it's sold out, and that was it. I then proceeded to go to Best Buy and Queen Center in Queens, New York, walk into the gaming section, 
And what did I pick up in my grubby brown little hand? Not one, not two, not three, but they had over five copies of Connectimals with fucking bears. And Slick, who is who is a saint, just sent me a link to GameStop's website. And these jizz bags have it on their website. New $49.99, pre-owned, gee, a whole $5 cheaper. So let me get this straight. Your retail store has no clue that your website has a game that is not discontinued. Who the fuck hires these guys? Who does it? I understand that it's retail and people have to have some modicum of fucking understanding of the video game industry to work there, but there's a difference between ignorance and fucking stupidity. If he would have looked and said, look, dude, I don't know what Connectimals is, I'd be like, all right, move out of the way and let me talk to somebody who does. But he fucking didn't even go to the computer. This little prick. He was too interested in fucking talking about Shepard's boobs in Mass Effect. That's a, that's what he that's what he was concerned about. Looking at Shepard's fucking boobs in Mass Effect. While he talked to the rest of the GameStop guys. I've realized that requirements for some of these GameStops are that you gotta be, I don't know, 5'10. Ra- your your shape is round, and you gotta have really big mutton chop sideburns. This seems to be a trend in the last eight or nine GameStops I've gone to. They always got one heavy set guy with giant fucking mutton chops. Always. And it's that guy that seems to know everything. But of course, that guy in this particular GameStop was dealing with like four different customers. So I get fucking Captain Nutbag telling me that it got discontinued. I ask you, my loyal fans, my loyal listeners, followers, whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves, please do yourselves a favor. If you can give money to any establishment, any establishment, give it to the mom and pop game stores first. Give it to, I'd rather give my money to fucking Best Buy because Best Buy and Target, even though they're the equivalent of retail sweatshops, at least you can walk in there, buy a game, and the most they'll try to do is sell you a replacement plan on a disc. Not buy our magazine, get our discount club, write this, do that. It's ridiculous. I, it, I just want to buy a game and get the fuck out. And, you know, it's crazy that I walked into Best Buy, and the game was there. And mind you, that Best Buy, I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I was able to get the game, pay for it, and leave. They didn't even offer me any kind of, hey, do you want to get this scratch protection shit for $3? Because the chick that was in that particular Best Buy was ha- looked like she was having the worst day and wanted to go to fuck home. And you know what? I couldn't blame her. But once I wrap up the show this evening, I plan to go on Twitter... And I will say, amazing that I go to at GameStop to purchase connectimals with bears, and I am told by at GameStop employee that the game was discontinued, had to purchase at Best Buy, GameStop site shows game. And that's it. I don't give a shit, but it's just going to be something that helps me feel good. Note to self, next time I want to go to Best Buy, if anybody knows me and see, I mean, not Best Buy, GameStop, and anybody sees me 
please, please trip me, give me the Nancy Kerrigan, break my fucking leg, and stop me from going in there and giving them my fucking money. Because that it was it's an exercise in fucking futility. Fuck them. Rape stop gets the finger. That's why I don't even anyone that sells your their games to GameStop should kick themselves in the dick. Or if you're a woman, baseball bat right in the bread box. Because you can get better money from other sites, Gazelle, Amazon, fucking who the hell else buys them? Gamefly, you can trade them in for credits. Anybody else. Give your games to anybody else. Put them shits on eBay, Craigslist, Crackheads. You never know. Crackhead might have a Connect in his cardboard box. He may need to play Connectimals. Sell that shit to him. He may give you more than GameStop does. But, yeah. That was that was the extent of the end of 2011 for me. So, I'm not going to beat this up anymore because we have a lot to discuss and I definitely want to discuss the weekend in MMA, especially because Slick got to see UFC 141 with me. So let's not beat this up any further and jump right into it. Alright, we're going to open things up with UFC 141, we're going to start with that. I just want to go through a couple of cards that, well, on the prelim side of things, I was actually shocked at the performance put on by um, Danny Castillo and Anthony and Jaquani. Castillo looked really good in that fight. He definitely looked good in the first and the third. You know, it was it was ridiculous though because he did get almost caught by a flying knee it was a, a very, very competitive fight and surprising as a way to open things up for the last live event fight on Spike TV. It was really good. Um, very impressed, like I said, with Danny Castillo. Dude is a beast. Looked great in that fight. Uh, with regards to the pay-per-view card, uh, Jim Hetz and Nam Fan opened up the pay-per-view card. I was really surprised at how aggressive... Hetz was against Nam Fan. Nam Fan is is a solid fighter at featherweight, and Hetz wasn't having a dominant performance. Ended up taking unanimous decision across all three rounds. Uh, Fan did his thing, but Hetz was was hungry, man. He really wanted to make a statement, and he succeeded in doing so on the pay per view stage. On the lay heavy on the light heavyweight side of things, Alexander Gustafsson took off took on the Vlad the janitor Vladimir Matyshenko, uh, light heavyweight two hundred five contest. It was crazy only because uh, Matyshenko has really good wrestling. His stand-up is pretty good. Um, Gustafsson, though, he had a, a tremendously aggressive attack to start. Uh, he threw. There was one point he opened up with a really good kick, which Matyshenko avoided. But then Matyshenko threw a follow-up punch, with Gu- which Gustafsson avoided. A um, lot of good counters back and forth. Gustafsson did score an uppercut and a straight kick in the first round. But at that point, Matyshenko really didn't want to exchange with the kid, so he ended up clinching. Gustafsson fought his way out, got free, caught Matyshenko with a kick. Um, Matyshenko, though, he kept really looking to throw that right to close things out, but Gustafsson dropped him like a sack of fucking potatoes, swarmed in, and boom, 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 it was over. TKO, round one, two minutes, 13 seconds. John Fitch... 
making his return into the cage against Johnny Hendricks. I expected this to be a, a clinic between both guys. It was not the case. Johnny Hendricks dropped Fitch with a huge left. 12 seconds in round one. It was ridiculous. John Fitch got caught out there, and it was vicious. It wasn't even something like a flash KO. It was a legit left that caught him, and Johnny Hendricks just took it to him, and that was a wrap. Johnny Hendricks, 12 seconds, round one, knockout. Afterward, after that, they ended up playing a uh, prelim fight with uh, Stun Gun and Sean Pearson. Uh, Stun Gun took it via unanimous decision, but let's go into the co-main main event lightweight Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Nate Diaz. Everybody expected this to be a, a really huge scrap between two really good 155 pounders, but for some reason, Nate Diaz came in there wired for war. He came in with magnificent, crisp stand-up and striking just putting a clinic on the Cowboy. A lot of damage. He looked really good in round one. Cerrone tried to get his, his momentum back in round two. Diaz, though, came out. A lot of trash talking. Gave him the fucking finger to, right before he came out into the round. It was it was insane. And the best part was Nate Diaz was really using that 205 slap that he uses to, to handle his business. Really impressive performance. Uh... Don't write off the Cowboy because that's what happens. People were already writing off Donald Cerrone. And I said to myself, you guys really shouldn't do that. Considering that the guy is a tremendous talent. And everybody has an off day. And Diaz just had better stand-up. Now, going into the main event. As I said, Brock Lesnar, Overeem. Winner gets a title shot. Ridiculous, ridiculous exchange. Lesnar at one point shot in for a takedown. Overeem just brushed him off. Overeem was working really good stand-up. Landed a couple of knees to the body and ended up getting some punches from the clinch. Lesnar, though, did try to separate and he wanted a trade with Overeem. I give him credit. Overeem came in, boom, another knee, which stunned Lesnar. Lesnar hits the fence and that was it. Bang, 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 game over. It almost looked like Lesnar got caught in the groin, but he didn't. He ate a liver shot. He ate a couple of knees first to set up that liver shot, and Overeem closed it out. Of course, as I said, Lesnar retired. I'm going to just bring uh, Slick on so we can assess this a little bit, given that Slick watched the fight with me, and I want to hear his opinion on the card as well. And I also want to discuss with him a little bit of the dream card because he stuck around for the early going of that. So let me bring him in. Slick, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Chilling, man. We got a nice new rig working. Everything is sounding crisp. Uh, UFC 141, what'd you think of the card as a whole? Uh, it, was a, it was a solid card. I mean, <clears throat> all technical problems with size and everything. Uh, it was the worst wild card and. I've said it many times. I'm not a fan of Brock Lesnar's, but I was not happy with his decision to to stop fighting because I've always enjoyed his fights in the UFC. Whether he gets his ass beat or beats somebody's ass, it's always a good show. And it's like you could tell when Overeem hit him. He had a look on his face as he was going down like, wow, that hurt way more than it should have hurt. 
And it's like, I can't blame a dude for his decision because he's got kids to take care of. He, there's other things he can do. And, you know, a lot of fighters fight till they just can't fight anymore. And, you know, if he made the decision based upon, you know, I got to take care of my family, then, you know, more power to him. And I wish him luck in whatever the hell he does next. Well, I will tell you this, and and this is something that I've deliberated with a couple of people, and they've you know they've agreed to a degree. I I've come to a conclusion that Brock Lesnar will only continue things when he is being super successful, and the only reason I say this is because when he was doing wrestling, you know he had the belt, he was dominant. Then they took the belt off of him. Then they did the thing with The Rock. Then the program with Goldberg, and he decided that he was going to leave wrestling because he couldn't deal with the schedule to try out for the NFL. He thought he'd be able to walk on and get a starting job with the NFL. Clearly that didn't work out at which point he went into MMA. He had a couple of tune up fights before demanding that he go into the UFC, which he did great performances there. He lost, he won the belt in, in, you know, in a short amount of time, lost the belt, tried to win it back. But what I've noticed is that this is, Brock Lesnar is a guy who is extremely competitive, loves to win, but it almost feels like the minute he loses or he doesn't get to where he wants to be, he just wants to take his ball and go home. Do you agree with that? Well, based upon what he what he said, I mean, that can definitely be agreed with because he said, you know, I was going to retire anyway. It was a matter of time, you know, if I had lost this fight, I was going to retire, you know, after this fight. If I, you know, if I, if I won this fight and went on to, to win the belt, I was going to retire after I got the belt. So I guess he's saying, you know, either I win it all or I can stop right now. So, yeah, yeah I guess he is thinking he's going on. I the the funny thing with that is that of course him leaving the organization opens the door to a return to the WWE which I'll discuss later on in the segment but the the crazy thing in my eyes was how how impressive Overeem's stand up was and and the and what the future looks like for him as a UFC heavyweight do you think that with the performance Overeem had He's gonna be the he's gonna be the most dangerous guy in this organization, and that the UFC should should work to build their organization around him. I think that Dana White's gonna be eating some crow very soon because he he's always made a point to shit on Strike Force, and now this guy comes in and retires one of the the biggest guys in the UFC, and I'm not saying that he won't. Lose at all, but I have a feeling Overeem's going to walk over the you know the guys that were always in the UFC. Well, the 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 thing that that a lot of people don't realize with Overeem and and I attribute this just to the fact that he's been extremely successful in Japan. He's a K1 level kickboxing striker. He's a K1 champion. He is a UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, a uh, strike force heavyweight champion. The guy's ho- uh, one of the only MMA fighters to hold belts in two different disciplines in two different organizations. You know, the guy is no slouch. And, you know, it was. Overeem is the fucking rock fighter from the never ending story. 
That, that that that's a good way to look at it. The guy comes in, you know, chiseled out of granite, marketable look. I think that with regards to heavyweights, he's the guy. He's one of the guys that you want to have carry the banner for your organization. I know that there are always rumors about him using steroids. Not as long as the guy pisses clean and doesn't piss hot, you can't say that he that he's on steroids. As far as I'm concerned, the guy is a, is just a natural athlete. Some people are going to disagree, but until you show me a drug test or a blood test with juice in it, the guy the guy's just a solid athlete. I, I Like I said, I am sad to see Brock Lesnar go. I think that Brock Lesnar, from what I hear, had one more fight on his contract. And honestly, I would have liked to have seen him go out maybe fighting Josh Barnett from Strikeforce. Josh Barnett... Is a professional is a professional wrestler as well. He actually fought on the Dream Card, but not only that, the heavyweights from Strikeforce are being folded into the UFC anyway. I think that would have been a great fight with Lesnar and Barnett. Number one, because both guys could talk shit really well. You got two different disciplines of wrestling, decent stand-up. Plus, they're just massive human beings. It would have been a great way for Lesnar to go out. But if he felt that this was the way he needed to go, then this this was the way he needed to go. Exactly. I would have preferred to see him go, like, you know, in a... At least when he was able to put on more of a show. But he's got to do what he's got to do. What he feels he's got to do. I agree. Well, with that said, switching gears and going into into the Dream Show, um, this was the first time you had seen some Japanese MMA here. Uh, the Dream Show was nine hours long. It started the 31st went into the new year in Japan. The main event had Fedor Emelianenko. But the the craziness of this card wasn't the fact that you had MMA fights, but you also had kickboxing fights and pro wrestling matches. When you came in, you actually got to see one of the first uh, one of the first matches, which was with uh, Sadalev and Tokoro. Um, and you saw that the guy ended up securing his victory with a uh, with a slam. What did you think of the Japanese presentation and just how it differs from the U.S.? Well, the presentation was definitely, for lack of a better terminology, Japanese, because it was, compared to what we do here, it was out there. And just the fact that that event is nine hours long, I'm like, I can't, I couldn't see, I don't care if I love everybody on the cards. I couldn't see myself being at an event for nine hours. I mean, when we go to even when we go to freaking Comic Con, we're not there for nine hours. Well, here's the here's the crazy part. By the time the night ended, it was the arena was full to capacity, which was ridiculous. Nine hours. There were people there for nine hours, and the arena was full by the time it was over. So. You know the Japanese have a have a different delivery with regards to their cards, but I will tell you that it was one of the most unique and and spectacular cards that I've seen. I mean, Dream delivers every year for New Year's, but this particular card was amazing only because it had so many disciplines and so many different fighters on display. Like I said, you know that the uh, the slam the slam KO was definitely a great way to open it up. Not only that, but we had the bantamweight fighters fought not once but twice in the in the evening. They were doing a bantamweight tournament, and the fighters fought 
twice, the the semifinals and the finals. Antonio Banuelos, uh, he took on uh, Masakazu Imanari, and Antonio Banuelos won that fight via split decision. The next fight, uh, Rodolfo Marquez was taking on Bibiano Fernandez. Bibiano Fernandez took that fight. But what I wanted to go into was the K1 kickboxing fight with Yuta Kubo and, and Nils Vidlin. Um, kickboxing fights are fantastic if you don't like the ground game in MMA. They're exciting, fast pace, and end viciously. Yuta Kubo was actually called a walking Muppet by Michael Schiavello on the card, which is hilarious. It's like, wow, you just called that guy a Muppet on national television. But the guy came in, Muppet look and all, and secured a KO in the third round. And it was it was just amazing to watch. Also on that card, we had some women's MMA, uh, Carla Benitez and Megumi Fuji. This uh, Megumi Fuji, known for her, for her wrestling and her submissions, she secured an armbar submission so quick that it would have boggled your mind. It was nasty. My nephew was here and he was like, holy shit, rewind that again. That chick's arm bent in a way that you would not expect. Yeah, but, that's the thing. I really wanted to check that out, but we're watching this live. It's airing in Japan, and it's like, it's, it's whatever, like 11 a.m. there, whatever, and it's 2 in the morning. We gotta go, man. Well, it's funny, because I DVR'd it for you to see it, but the pro wrestling fights, uh, the pro wrestling matches, anybody who has never seen Japanese wrestling was definitely in for a treat, and the only thing that I was bummed that you missed was the fight with uh, Yushiro Nagashima and Katsunori Kakuno. Uh, Nagashima is called the Cosplay Warrior. He has one of the greatest entrances in mixed martial arts. Comes out in full cosplay in his entrance. I'm actually putting his name in the chat so you can YouTube one of his entrances. Uh, my nephew saw his entrance and had no idea what to do. There were like eight or nine. There were eight or nine Japanese girls singing some some sort of anime music. Some guy came out dressed like one of the Ronin warrior samurais, and he came out in like a Japanese schoolgirl outfit. It, it it was it was insane. It, it it is by far the most insane entrance I've seen. And he he fought last year as well on Dream, and I, I you can't you can't not look at it and go wow. Oh, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, press his hands. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, the um, the last two fights on on the card, the championship fights, uh, Shinya Aoki and Satoru Kituoka was a really fantastic fight. Shinya Aoki via unanimous decision. Fedor went in there, murder, death, kill. Satoshi Ichi first round knockout. Hit him. He hit him with a head body combination. That guy folded like a deck of cards. It was good night to close things out. Of course, they awarded Fedor the trophy, and conveniently enough, they did the countdown, and it was Happy New Year in Japan to close a nine-hour spectacle of mixed martial arts, kickboxing, and professional wrestling. Dude, it was redonkulous. <laughs> Definitely something I need to see. Yeah, I've, I've it was... Oh, my God. Dude, I, I've never seen anything like that. But, um... I kept it on DVR, so next time I see you, you can check out the uh, the Cosplay Warrior. But I recommend um, you check it out while I wrap up the MMA segment. All right, man. Is there anything else you want to add? 
Nah, not for, not for the LMA. All right, brother. Appreciate it. All right, talk to you later. See ya. All right, let's get into the other MMA news. This weekend, Strike Force on Showtime. Showtime is doing a free preview weekend. So if you do not have Showtime but want to see some great mixed martial arts action, Strike Force is the organization to do it. That's going to be this Saturday, probably at 10 p.m. on Showtime, the main event. Uh, Luke Rockhold defending his belt against uh, the Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. Um, Adlan Amagov is taking on Robbie Lawler. King Moe's on that card, taking on Lorenz Larkin, Jordan Main, and Tyrone Woodley. Tarek Safadin and Tyler Stinson are on the main card for Showtime. The prelims are going to be on Showtime Extreme. Estevan Payan, he's stepping in for the injured Bobby Green to take on Alonzo Martinez. Uh, Nashawn Burrell is taking on James Terry. Gian Viante is taking on Trevor Smith. Ricky Legere and Chris Spang are rounding things off. No longer are the prelims non-televised. You will be able to watch them on Showtime Extreme. Make sure to check your program guide for your local cable provider so you can check that out. Also, of course, as I said, following his loss to Overeem, Brock Lesnar retired. Dana White wasn't even aware that Lesnar was going to retire so suddenly. But it was definitely a shocker, and if you've seen the video I posted on the Facebook fan page, you'll see that Dana White has no issue with um, Brock Lesnar going to the WWE. Now let's talk some totals. $75,000 bonuses were awarded for UFC 141. Johnny Hendricks got KO of the night for pretty much knocking good old John Fitch back into his mother's placenta. And I have to give credit to Ben for that. He stated that in his review that John Fitch got knocked into his mom's placenta, (laughs) a crazy description, but definitely one that worked fight of the night honors went to Nate Diaz and Donald Cerrone for $75,000 bonuses for both those guys. Now with regards to the gate that was given out at that event, Alistair Overeem, made $385,000. Brock Lesnar made $400,000. That accounted for 57% of the show's fighter payroll. Nate Diaz earned $74,000. Donald Cerrone earned $30,000. It was incredible paydays. And uh, Johnny Hendricks, $52,000. That included his $26,000 win bonus. John Fitch got $60,000. For those of you that are wondering about Nate Diaz 74 versus Donald Cerrone's 30, note that that $74,000 included the $37,000 win bonus. Not to mention both those guys got the $75,000 fight of the night bonuses as well. Lastly, UFC 143 is already getting the hype train built up. You'll be able to catch the UFC primetime series Friday, January 20th at 11 o'clock. That's going to be debuting on Fuel TV. So don't go looking for it on Spike. Fuel TV is going to be the network. UFC 143 is going to take place Saturday, February 4th. The main event for that is Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz for the interim welterweight title. Koscheck, Mike Pierce, Roy Nelson, Fabricio Verdum, Renan Burrell, Scott Jorgensen. Um, Alex Caceres will be on that card as well. Uh, Sapo will be fighting Ed Herman. So, great night of fights for that, and that's going to be straight out of Vegas. So, Saturday, February 4th for UFC 143 primetime on Fuel TV, January 20th. This week also marked 
the debut of UFC tonight. Dana White was asked about the heavyweight title shot, well, the heavyweight title bout between Overeem and Junior Dos Santos. You guys can expect that this summer, according to Dana White, Alistair Overeem is going to take some time off. Dos Santos needs to get some training in, so be on the lookout for that this summer. In some Strike Force news, it's been announced that Strike Force bantamweight champion Misha Tate will be defending her belt March 3rd against Ronda Rousey. Great, uh, that's going to be a fantastic fight. Ronda Rousey, of course, phenomenal judo practitioner, excellent submissions. Misha Tate, great wrestling background. Both women are pretty much being branded as the future of female mixed martial arts. Both ladies have a lot to offer. Marketable, good-looking, athletic, talented. It's going to be an amazing fight. I actually was hoping Rousey would be fighting Cyborg, but hey, I'll take what I can get. This is going to be an excellent, excellent contest. I recommend you guys check this out March 3rd. You guys will be amazed at the work these ladies put in. In something that's going to help us segue into the wrestling segment, there's a couple of news regarding pro wrestling and MMA. First off, according to Dave Meltzer, CM Punk will be accompanying the one and only Chael Sonnen on January 28th for the UFC on Fox event. Chael Sonnen is going to be taking on Mark Munoz. This is actually going to be very interesting because Punk is given the night off from a house show in Evansville that night. And the funny thing is that it's going to be interesting to see if it gets acknowledged. Not only that... But I believe the Royal Rumble is the next day. So we're going to see if WWE can get themselves some free press by having CM Punk there. CM Punk, of course, huge MMA fan. He got a shout out during the Dream event. And it's going to be interesting to see him coming out with Chael Son. And I really hope that Chael decides to come out to cult of personality. It would be hilarious. And I'm sure that many wrestling fans will be annoyed. You know, the ones that are purists that... One of their own is going into mixed martial arts, but I'm all for it. I like the crossover appeal. Uh, both got, you know, both at, both sets of athletes are fans of each other's work. Why not? Let the shit happen. In some other news, Bellator is going to be working closely with TNA, it seems, according to a couple of rumors coming out of Viacom. Now that Viacom owns Bellator, TNA is going to be looking to cross-promote with the company. Obviously, this has happened already with a couple of Bellator fighters popping up on TNA Impact, including Bjorn Rebney, who is the CEO. But what they're looking at doing is cross-promoting with Kid Cash, given Kid Cash has competed in MMA before. And they're looking at doing something with him or possibly former TNA wrestler Bobby Lashley. I really have issue with this for a couple of reasons. Bellator is a great up-and-coming organization that needs to stay in their lane. Viacom should not be trying to cross-promote with TNA of all things, given the the non-mainstream appeal that TNA has at the moment. The only thing that helps TNA get any kind of appeal at this moment is guys like Rob Van Dam, Sting, AJ, excuse me, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, those guys. But they're not at that point where you're seeing Rob Van Dam on Entertainment Tonight or Samoa Joe popping up on CSI, unfortunately. I really think that Bellator should focus on building themselves as a great up-and-coming third organization and really should step away from doing anything with TNA. I'm sorry, I just don't agree with it. Bellator needs to grow, and TNA is not going to help them do it. Simple as that. I think it's it's a poor idea on Viacom's part, and they should just leave well enough alone. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. We're going to get right into some wrestling, and I think that this is a great time to play this. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here. Andre, the giant WrestleMania. Everyone has a price. Oh yeah, Booker T has something to say too. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! Exactly. We are coming for you. And that's right. We are. Let's get right into it. Let's not beat around the bush. We gotta talk about Monday Night Raw, which was, for all intents and purposes, huge because obviously of the return of someone, who I'll, of course, give up in a few minutes, but... Also because it was the first Raw of 2012, and it was the start of the road to WrestleMania. Of course, we open things up, get a little bit of a recap with John Cena and fucking Kane. Kane comes out with his hostile uh, torture mask, talk shit, blah, blah, blah. But here's the best part. Little bait and switch. No Kane showed up. We just got to hear the voice of the Big Red Monster clowning John Cena, telling him that we he will have John Cena embrace the hate this evening. Whatever that means. Let's leave it at that. First match of the evening, Daniel Bryan, Cody Rhodes. Really good match from both performers. Cody Rhodes continues to evolve. The only thing I continue to say that fucks him up is that stupid-ass lisp. That's all it is. Great match, solid action, good performance from Bryan. We get a recap of Barrett and Orton. Of course, Orton got his ass thrown down some stairs on television, but Randy Orton is actually nursing um, a herniated disc. That's why he's on the shelf, and of course, they want to attribute Wade Barrett as being the cause of it. You know, got to keep up those storylines, but whatever the case may be, the funny thing from that segment was Santino, who was actually amusing. Uh, he came out and cut the... The funniest promo in a long time. I feel bad that Santino is pigeonholed in this lame-ass comedy gimmick, considering that he's a pretty good wrestler, and he actually, um, he did Boris Alexiev's, he, he was Boris Alexiev in the minors, which was solid too. Um, overall, it wasn't bad. The funny thing about this match to me was that Wade Barrett is beyond doing squash matches. I think... If you're going to push this guy and Randy Orton's on the shelf, you got to get him in a different feud, start moving that up. We don't need Santino to be a squash match for Barrett at this point. We got a little bit of an exchange with Sheamus and The Miz and fucking R-Truth who came out, you know, trying to tell people that the truth will set you free. Of course, he attacks The Miz, blah, 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 wash, rinse, and repeat. Moving on, Dolph Ziggler, a.k.a. Young Kurt Russell, is doing a headstand. Why? I don't fucking know. But he felt it would be cool to do. Um, he feels that he has a walking surplus of talent, charisma, and intelligence. Which is true. I think that it was a decent promo. The headstand was fucking stupid. Who said that was a good idea? Zack Ryder and Eve. I mean, it's funny that they're put, they're trying to pair them together. But the promo between him and Swagger was cringeworthy. Jack Swagger needs to be kept away from any mic. He should just let Vicky Guerrero do the talking for him. I think at this point it should be 
he should just have a hole drilled in his back and Vicky Guerrero can just speak for him because his mic work is shit. Ugh, it was terrible. Punk and Ziggler had a fantastic match. I'd, I'd even like to say that it was one of the best television matches of the entire evening. Uh, great performance from Ziggler. Ziggler secured the victory via countout due to some involvement from the one and only Raw GM, John Laurinaitis. I fucking hate. I loathe that guy. Cutting his fucking stupid, nonsensical fucking promos where you don't understand what he says. And he has to remind us 17 fucking times that he's the Raw GM. We get it. Your hair is perfect. Your voice is deep. And you're a jizz bag. Thanks. Moving on. The Bella Twins, of course, in a train wreck of a match with Kelly Kelly and Eve Torres. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Bella Twins music comes out, that is a cue for you to go and take a shit. Get in a quickie with your significant other or possibly heat up a TV dinner. They are abysmal. And putting them in there with Dummy Dummy and Eve Torres doesn't make matters better because there's ne- neither one of these two teams can carry the other. The only thing they can do is possibly carry each other's purses. That's it. Eve Torres comes out. She does her, her booty popping moonsault. It, it makes me sick that that's what it's described as, but that's what it is. And, you know, I, I almost feel like it's the slowest moonsault ever. I don't know why, but it seems like she's up in the air for at least 15 minutes before she hits bottom. Kelly Kelly is exactly what you would expect. The match was a clusterfuck. It was a, it was a train wreck. I don't understand who's helping or training these divas, but you sure as fuck know it's not Fit Finley since he's not with the organization because they just do not mesh well. It is embarrassing. Then, of course, the lights go out, the final video of the evening is played, and who debuts but the one and only Chris Jericho. Yes, clowning everybody on Twitter, he proceeded to re-debut with the organization, cutting a non-existent promo with his glow-in-the-dark jacket. Um, My thoughts on it were that it's great to see Jericho back. I'm sure he'll be able to have some great feuds with some great talent, including CM Punk. But my concern is that the, the it just felt uneventful. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I know some people agreed. It just didn't feel like it was... It felt incomplete. It almost made me think that something else was going to happen that night from how incomplete I felt it was. I think coming out and not cutting a promo was good. It was a great part. Uh, it was great on Jericho's part. It showed that just him being there can make an arena be deafening. And that was that was cool to see. But just the overall presentation was just lacking. Not only that, but the internet has ruined wrestling to a degree. There's no there's no shock, there's no surprise. And, you know, I tried to do the smart thing. I avoided Twitter. I avoided Facebook when I watched Raw. Just because for once, I just wanted to be surprised. When Jericho came out, it was... I don't know, it just didn't feel eventful to me. Simple as that. It's, I'm glad to see him back. But it, it didn't have that special vibe like when The Rock came back or when Triple, when Triple H came back from the quad injury at Madison Square Garden or when Hogan came back. It just didn't feel the same. I don't know why. I will tell you, though, Jericho looked to be in the best shape of his life. Not only that, but he actually looked fucking younger. He looked more like Lionheart Chris Jericho and less like old Gordon Ramsay. So that's a step in the right direction. 
to close things out, six-man tag, Ryder, Cena, Kane, Swagger, and Mark Henry were the main event. Kane no-showed. It was Swagger and Henry in a three-on-two handicap match. Uh, it was it was to be expected. You know, it was pretty decent. Five-knuckle shuffle, attitude adjustment, and that was it. Jack Swagger ate it. Now Kane comes through the ring, tries to drag Zack Ryder to hell. Cena makes the save and what could be described as just one of the most weird-looking things to see at the start of a, of, a, of a new year from the WWE. I mean... I understand that you have to suspend disbelief to a degree, but, you know, Kane talking shit and fire coming out of the hole and Zack Ryder almost being dragged to, to his doom. It's like, I didn't understand. I didn't know that the gates of hell were under the ring. It, this, this is something that's always disturbed me, especially when the WWE tries to go into a more realistic setting with wrestling. It's, you know, these are athletes, these are performers, and then all of a sudden, you know, Kane can spontaneously set a ring on fire and, you know, he's going to drag you to hell. I'm all for suspending disbelief, but they really need to figure out where, where they want to do that. Do they want to do it with Kane and The Undertaker all the time or do they just want to keep a more realistic vibe? Because that's one of the things that's one of the things that's bothering me with this storyline that, you know, you're going to do some smoke and mirrors, some shit's going to get set on fire because Kane all of a sudden has psychic pyromaniac powers and he's the fire starter. Drew Barrymore's his sister. It, it, it just, I don't know, that level of fantasy is just not there. It's not there for a wrestling product for a new generation of fans. I think fans want to see cool moves, kick-ass wrestling, and that's it. I think we've gone beyond the realm of fantasy. You can leave it to The Undertaker to a degree... And, and to Kane, but to really try and force that on a viewer when we all clearly know it's bullshit, I just, I don't know, I'm just not feeling it. Simple as that. Moving into some regular wrestling news, first off, Bobby Lashley has gone on record as saying that he'd be open to returning to the WWE. Honestly, what the fuck else is he doing? He did note that he has unfinished business and that there's still some things to accomplish in the WWE. He went on to say that I'm completely open to going back. I would love to come back and do something big if there was an opportunity presented. I would definitely consider it. While I would do it, if the chance never came my way, then I would be completely content in continuing with what I'm doing at the moment. And that's continuing wrestling and trying to become the best possible fighter I can't be. I Excuse me, I can be. Honestly, I have no issue with Bobby Lashley being back in the WWE, I think. He has a tremendous upside. His promo work also not that great, but tremendous, tremendous athlete, great wrestler. He'd always be welcome back. I think he'd do well if he did go back. In some other news, and this is what I like to call the WWE mainstream news of the day, Beth Phoenix called out comedian Chelsea Handler after Chelsea Handler made some disparaging remarks about women's wrestling on the Chelsea Lately show. Uh, Chelsea Handler was actually talking about Alex Rodriguez and Tori Wilson, who are dating, allegedly, and she was less than complimentary about women's wrestling. Beth Phoenix took her to task on Twitter with the following. Chelsea Handler made some off-color comments about women's wrestling last night. Being WWE's Divas champ, I can tell you with confidence that if Chelsea Handler has any questions about what a women's wrestler can do or how well we entertain, I'd be happy to show her. She went on to send out another tweet. Chelsea Handler, please allow me to invite you to see a WWE event live and firsthand. 
on February 24th at the Staples Center. Of course, the invitation extends to the ring anytime, any place if you would like to see what the champ is made of. I do have to agree that I like Chelsea Chelsea Handler. She's funny, but do your homework. There, There's a, a right way and a wrong way to address things, and who knows, this may even be an angle. I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing Beth Phoenix and Hornswoggle against Chelsea Handler and Chewy in a midget on a pole match. Might as well do something, right? Beth Phoenix is pretty much the only, her and Natalia, the only divas that I think have any 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 grasp of real legit professional wrestling. Not Eve, not Dummy Dummy, not the Bellas, definitely not Rosa fucking Mendez. So, uh, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Last but not least. The war between wrestling veterans has begun on Twitter between the Ultimate Warrior and Kevin Nash. The ulti- this all stemmed from a comment made by the Ultimate Warrior where someone asked uh, someone asked Warrior on Twitter if he would be interested in dyeing his hair and coming back to wrestle, at which point uh, the Ultimate Warrior said that there's no need for me to dye my hair and come to come back to professional wrestling and take jobs from younger wrestlers. Really crazy. Of course, Kevin Nash took him to task um, with the following. Never had, n- never realized I had a problem with Jim, a.k.a. Warrior. Seemed to get along fine in Scottsdale, Arizona. Come on down. Turn that frown upside down. I'm talking shoot, not sports entertainment. Jim Helwig needs to put up or shut the fuck up. Day before mania in the Miami area. Warrior will have to pass all HIV and hepatitis A, B, and C tests. I'll do the same. So clearly, Kevin Nash wants to beat up the Ultimate Warrior. But it continued. Kevin Nash continued his attack by saying, You watch your mouth. You know you're a bitch. You want nothing to do with me. You ran out of your gym to avoid me. You want to go? Pussy, name the time or the place. If not, shut your dick sucker and forget my name. Bitch, make me $100,000 richer. So it seems Kevin Nash really wants to whoop the Ultimate Warrior's ass. I actually posted some of the offending tweets on the fan page and asked you, our MTR listeners, who would win in a legit fight, Kevin Nash or the Ultimate Warrior? If you guys want to comment on that, feel free to do it on the MTR fan page, or you can call our our feedback number and leave it there, and we can play it on air. That number... 347-815-0687, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0687-347-815-0MTR. If you want to share your thoughts on a legit fight between Kevin Nash and the Ultimate Warrior. That's going to close out the wrestling segment for this week. Let's not waste any time and jump right into some video games. Alright, let's open things up with some Twisted Metal news over the holiday break. David Jaffe released a holiday message letting fans know that those of you that buy the new Twisted Metal game will be getting a downloadable copy of Twisted Metal Black. Twisted Metal will be released on the PS3 February 14th, so be on the lookout for that. We got some game totals and a couple of great uh, great news for certain games, including Bastion, which sold over 500,000 copies. Helping the game reach the that particular mark were sales from Steam and both Xbox Live. 
I had the opportunity to play Bastion. It's a very fun game, really well designed and very well done. So congrats to the team at Supergiant Games for reaching that milestone. I, I stopped by the Escapist Magazine's website and a friend of mine mentioned that they had actually uh, released, uh, gotten their hands on a newsletter from Disney that said that they would be releasing Epic Mickey 2. Of course, that newsletter was taken down, but Epic Mickey 2 will be released on the 360, PlayStation 3, and the Wii. There's also rumors that the game will have a two-player split-screen mode. So props to the Escapists for breaking that bit of news. The first Epic Mickey game was very well done. I actually think that um, it would have done well on the PS3 and the 360. It's unfortunate that it didn't get released there, but... I think this game will sell very well on the PS3 and the 360 given the amount of power both of those systems have and the amount of of great graphics that are available, especially on the PS3 doing something in 1080p and even on the 360 for that matter. I think that the Wii at this point is on its last legs and Epic Mickey deserves to be showcased on those two next-gen consoles because I think they will do the game justice. In a bit of a departure from some of our normal coverage, I did want to address this. Um, usually, when I do show prep, I read a lot of RSS feeds. I can tell you that I have over a thousand RSS subscriptions in my Google Reader, and one of the sites that I've become a fan of, just because a lot of the talent was from other sites, was The Verge. The Verge is comprised of staff from Engadget uh, and a couple of other tech sites and they decided to bring people a different take on technology uh josh topolsky we met him at the engadget event i was there with slick when i met him he's a kick-ass dude and they ended up starting the verge but now the parent company vox media is looking to go into gaming by launching a brand new gaming website now the reason i wanted to talk about this is because vox media runs sb nation for sports and the verge for tech but now Vox Media, since they're launching a gaming website, have decided to rape and pillage all the other uh, gaming websites to bolster their ranks. So far, they got uh, Brian Crescente from, he was the former editor-in-chief for Kotaku. They got some joystick writers, uh, Justin and Griffin McElroy, Arthur Geese, who was an editor at IGN. They got Russ Pitts from The Escapist. They got Chris Plant and Russ Frushtick from... UGO, and the reason that I'm mentioning this is because if there's one thing that seems to be lacking as of late is large gaming sites that focus more on what's most important, gaming. A lot of sites, Kotaku in particular, focus on some of the most random shit that makes no sense and has no bearing on gaming, whether it's for traffic or to get advertising revenue is inconsequential, but I think that seeing a company like Vox jump behind uh, the gaming platform and want to deliver a gaming website for us is really kick-ass. And if you guys have never checked out The Verge and are huge uh, tech junkies like I am, definitely check them out. It's not a plug or an endorsement for these guys, but I just felt that it needed to be addressed because a lot of people are very split on where they get their gaming news, whether they go to IGN or they go to Metacritic. Some guys rely on M4G or GameSpot. I, I honestly think The Verge does a really great job, and Engadget as well to an extent. I think ever since AOL acquired them, they've kind of sl 
lost a step, but even still, I'm glad to see Vox is going to do something for the gaming community. So be on the lookout for that real soon. Until then, you can probably check out most of their content on The Verge. In some other gaming news, those of you that are fans of the LEGO franchise sets will be able to pick up the new LEGO Batman game, LEGO Batman 2 DC Super Heroes, which will be dropping this summer. You'll be able to play as Batman and Robin, but also team up with Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern to take on Lex Luthor, the Joker, and other DC villains. So be on the lookout for that this summer. The LEGO games, I have to admit, are actually very well done. Very surprised at how awesome they are. But they are very enjoyable, and I'm sure many young children will enjoy playing Lego Batman and using Superman, Green Lantern, and some of the other DC heroes as well. Huh. For some reason, my screen seems to be frozen. Alright, here we go. Well, that's going to wrap up the gaming news. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we are going to talk some movies right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. Alright, let's talk some movies. Let's get right into it with some box office totals. Um, with the long holiday break, of course, there is a lot of fanfare going into movies like Mission Impossible and also Sherlock Holmes, given that their uh, box office totals went up substantially over the break. Ghost Recall, uh, Ghost Recall, uh, Ghost Protocol has already made $256 million worldwide. They made $86.2 million domestically in one week and $170 million internationally in two. Sherlock Holmes has also crossed the 100 million mark as of last Wednesday, and the box office totals coming in, Ghost Protocol was number one, Sherlock Holmes was number two, Alvin and the Chipmunks was three, War Horse was four, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was five, We Bought a Zoo was six, The Adventures of Tintin was seven, New Year's Eve was eight, The Darkest Hour was nine, and The Descendants was ten. Going into the first bit of sequel news for the new year, Paramount Pictures has confirmed that they are going to be releasing Paranormal Activity 4. Paranormal Activity 3 pulled in $200 million worldwide. So in 2012, we will be seeing a nice, freshly squeezed Paranormal Activity sequel with Paranormal Activity 4. I don't even want to consider this what-the-fuck movie news, but I found this to be really weird. There is a movie um, called Juan of the Dead. Shock Till You Drops reports that Focus Pictures has acquired the rights to Alejandro Brug's zombie horror comedy and will be releasing it via various video-on-demand outlets. Now, 
here's the here's the plot synopsis for this. Fifty years after the Cuban Revolution, a new one is about to begin. That revolution is zombies, filthy flesh-eating zombies. The Cubans face a large enough challenge dealing with a zombie infestation allegedly started by a U.S.-backed radical group. But their procrastinating hero, Juan, has to overcome his lazy lifestyle to save the world. At first, Juan doesn't pay the, the growing chaos in Havana any mind. When the rampant social order disturbances escalate and start to affect his routine, however, he realizes that the perpetrators are not in fact dissidents, but rather are bona fide walking dead. Sensing an opportunity for a fast buck, he bands together with a ragtag militia and commercializes a zombie cleaning service, Juan of the Dead, to rid households of unwanted, undead loved ones. I kid you not, that is the plot. Juan of the Dead. You know what the you know what this deserves? A minority film report viewing. So when this comes out, I'm sure that Slick and I will be checking it out, laughing hysterically, and enjoying uh, the Cuban zombie violence known as Juan of the Dead. Be on the lookout for that real soon. Now, the first What the Fuck movie news, or I should say What the Fuck entertainment news of 2012, involve everyone's favorite Armenian, big-bootied, sloth-sistered sisters, the Kardashians. And here's where it gets crazy. Obviously, you know that the Kardashians have no problem putting their names on anything from cologne to from perfume to clothing to Ray J's penis uh, to Lamar Odom's vagina to Scott Disick's pride. You know, they put their names on everything, but this borders on madness. Kim Courtney and Khloe Kardashian will be made into Barbie dolls. And will be featured in a limited edition run as Barbie's friends. The dolls will reflect the girls' measurements and may even come in Kardashian-designed outfits. Let's let's go back into this statement. They will reflect the girls' measurements. What kind of a measurement do you need for Khloe Kardashian? I didn't know that they made Barbie dolls in sloth size. Courtney, you know, you gotta accessorize her with the fucking kid. And her sleazy husband. Kim, you're going to have to include her with at least three random black dudes. 17 different ass attachments. Like, you should have, like, the Kim Kardashian doll. You know how you used to buy Barbies and they'd have the little pregnancy Barbie that would have the belly that you would attach? The Kim Kardashian doll should come with different asses in different sizes. She should have the club ass, the Ray J video ass. She should have... The Kanye West ass, the Playboy ass, just different ones to help that doll sell. In addition to that, like I said, pack it with three random black dudes. Reggie Bush, Kanye West, even Chris Humphreys, who's, I, I guess he's piss-colored, Cro-Magnon looking. You could throw him in there as just a, a collecting. You got to send out UPC codes like in the old days when we used to buy Thundercats and G.I. Joe. Send in the UPC codes. You get the three. You get her three minority boyfriends. You get Scott Disick with his terrible comb over and his sweater vest, and you get Lamar Odom. And if you send that away, you will get the Kardashians' mother in Mumra garb, because you know that bitch floats around just sucking the life out of everything she touches. Seriously, I I really don't understand the fascination with the Kardashians. I mean, look. I'm a guy, my dick works, 
Kim Kardashian's good looking. It is what it is. But let's be honest, they are worthless. And the fact that you are making Barbie dolls of them just shows the amount of clout that they have. Girls look at Barbie as a quote unquote role model. I really don't know any girl nowadays that do. But think about this. Your little girl buys a vet Barbie. Oh, look, I want to be a bar. You know, I want to be a vet like my Barbie doll. But all of a sudden they go, oh, wow, the Kardashians. What is your daughter going to say? I want to be Kim Kardashian when I grow up. What does that entail exactly? Doing nothing, dating black dudes, and putting out sex tapes. Way to go, guys. All right. That's, That's what I want my little girl to aspire to. It's terrible to say that the big one, you know, China, is the only one that isn't a complete fucking douchebag. I have, to, I have to acknowledge that. She's not fucking running around being a complete asshat. She's still somewhat of an asshat, but not to the point where you want to beat her to death with a frying pan. But that, my friends, is your What the Fuck Movie News to start 2012. In some other sequel news, Horrible Bosses is set for a sequel. The Hollywood Reporter has gone on record as saying that John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who wrote the first film, have signed on to write a script for the second. Jason Bateman, Jason Sudeikis, and Charlie Day are said to be reprising their roles with director Seth Gordon in negotiations to return. There you go, Horrible Bosses getting a sequel. The second bit of What the Fuck movie news is something a lot of you are going to enjoy. It is a remake of Carrie. Yes, Carrie made famous with uh, Sissy Spacek, Blood on her head, blowing shit up, killing teenagers. Yep, that one. Deadline reports that Kimberly Pierce, who did Boys Don't Cry and Stop Loss, is in negotiations to direct the adapt the updated adaptation of the Stephen King novel. Of course, in the original book from Stephen King, um, high school girl takes revenge on her bullies via telekinetic powers. Of course, the book was first adapted into film by Brian De Palma in 1976. Then they tried to do it again with the sequel, The Rage Carry 2, in 1999. According to what they're saying, the new version will reportedly be less a remake and more of a readaptation of the original text. Isn't that still a remake, guys? You're, you're readapting the original text. That means it's still a remake of a story. You're not remaking the film, but you're remaking the story. Moving on, you guys will will get a kick out of this, and I was going to jump into it and Slick also threw it in my way. That live-action Akira whitewash piece of shit that we all were looking forward to seeing has been suspended indefinitely. It seems that as of right now, there are budget concerns, and they will not be doing anything with it for the foreseeable future. Thank God. So... That's where we are with Akira. No whitewash version as of now. The other news story making its its way through various entertainment websites and entertainment blogs is that Universal is working on a sequel to Bridesmaids. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the studio is moving forward with its plans to make a sequel. And, you know, the film made $288 million worldwide, so it was a no-brainer. However, it seems that the screenwriter and Kristen Wiig are not returning or her co-writer, Annie Momolo. Kristen Wiig went on to say that she was not working on it. Annie and I aren't planning a sequel. We are writing something else. 
it seems that Universal is willing to proceed without any um, without Momolo or Wig at the helm. Whenever you don't do, whenever you do a sequel and you don't include the complete original creative team that made the sequel, most times it sucks. Bridesmaids was what I like to say a guy film disguised as a chick flick disguised as a guy film, and you know it had its funny moments. Some people enjoyed it. Did it re- did it deserve a sequel? Nope. So I can understand her hesitation in wanting to do it. I don't feel it needed a sequel at all. So it's going to suck when it comes out. You can bank on it. The Rock has been keeping himself busy. According to Deadline, Leon Hemsworth and Dwayne Johnson are set to star in Empire State. Empire State is going to be an independent heist film based on the true story of the 1982 New York City armored car company robbery which is thought to have been the largest cash heist in U.S. history. Filming for that will begin in April, and it's going to be directed by Dito Montiel, who did Fighting. Um, I don't. I have no problem with this. I really am enjoying the fact that The Rock is going and expanding his portfolio and doing different films. I feel that he really has the acting chops to be a great dramatic actor and also a great action hero. I think that we've evolved beyond doing child fare. I mean, it's good, he's funny, he has great presence, kids love it, but, you know, it's good to see him expanding his portfolio. I think that this movie's going to be solid, Liam Hemsworth is a a great up-and-coming actor, and I think that doing something about this particular story would be really cool, especially with this kind of cast behind it, and the armored car, I mean... You can you can say that it's it's a take on Armored, which came out a while back, but I'm sure that they're gonna make uh, they're gonna give it a thorough treatment. And like I said, I really am a fan of The Rock as an actor, and I think he has a lot to offer the industry. So I'll be looking at that with much interest. Last but not least, as I said, with um, with Akira being put on hold. It seems that they want to shave down a $20 million budget. I had to scroll down to my notes to get the project moving again. As of right now, the budget for the film is listed at $90 million. So they want to shave at least $20 million off the budget. Uh, Jean Colette Serra is directing the film based on a script by Mark Fergus, Hawk Otsby, and Gary Whitta and Steve Cloves. As of right now, they were saying that Garrett Hedlund was officially attached to the film, but Helena Bonham Carter, Kristen Stewart, and Ken Watanabe were also said to be parts of the film, uh, to be a part of the film as well. If the budget is not brought down to the studio's satisfaction, this project will be shelved, as I said before. I honestly think that this whitewashed adaptation of Akira is just going to be complete fucking rubbish, so honestly, I would really love to see it shelved. Because it's it's ridiculous. There's really no necessity to do something that foolish and that shitty. And of course, the last thing to close things out and wrap up the first show of 2012 is an article that came out recently. I got to throw pop props to uh, Dark Helmet to sending it my way from Time Magazine that the movie business will be the, the movie industry is going to be raising ticket prices yet again. The Hollywood Reporter cites forecast from several analysts saying that they will be raising uh, 2012 box office prices uh, very, very soon, with ticket prices rising between 2 and 3%. By the end of 2012, the average movie ticket will likely sell for around 815 Mind you, it, it was said that it wasn't that long ago that the, ticket, the average ticket crossed the $8 mark for the first time. 
Obviously, you also have to factor in 3D prices, IMAX prices, and it's going to be ridiculous. The worst part is that movies that are extremely popular are going to do well regardless of the fact, but I think that these added this incre- this increase in in box office tickets is going to improve the final counts for mediocre and sometimes bullshit 3D films. At the end of the day, you're going to take a $13 ticket that you're going to probably end up paying 20 or $30 for. When we went to see a film in I when we went to see Transformers in IMAX, the IMAX ticket was $17, almost 20 bucks. You factor in popcorn, candy, soda before you know it, your entire movie experience to enjoy an IMAX film and an IMAX 3D film has run you $40, substantially more than a Blu-ray of that same film. I really don't think that this is going to help the industry on the contrary. It's going to motivate more people to just stay the fuck home. In some cases, you know, people are going to end up going to a matinee and paying $8 just to see a matinee. It's ridiculous. And I do have to point out Strider made up a Strider mentioned something very very valid in the chat and he referenced Scott Pilgrim, which is true. I think that the issue with Scott Pilgrim was that it just came out at a very awkward stage and it was competing against the juggernaut that was The Expendables. Even though Scott Pilgrim was a substantially better movie, I felt that any mainstream people, any any normal people had no idea what the fuck that was. Gamers, geeks, nerds, we all had an idea of what it was, but regular mom and pop, just average people that aren't gamers or geeks had no idea what the fuck that movie was. And of course, now that the movie is in home video and cable, it has gotten a, a brand new following and new popularity, which is awesome. I honestly think that at this point, Hollywood should really focus their energies on putting out solid properties and great films that will make people want to go to the theater and experience, you know, the popcorn and all that stuff and not have an issue paying 40 bucks. My my whole gripe is that you pay for the experience and on top of that you get beaten to death in concessions and when you finally do get to the theater, people just don't respect the experience enough to shut the fuck up. That's always been my gripe. I think that if I'm paying $20 to go see a movie, I expect to go, sit down, munch my popcorn, drink my soda, and you will keep your fucking mouth shut. It's really that simple, but it's unfortunate that that's how it's come to. Well, what it's come down to. The saddest thing in my eyes is that the person that gets fucked the most is the consumer. Simple as that. I think that if Hollywood wants to do something, focus on your product and to, you know... To quote Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. If you put out a quality film, people will come to the theater to see it. All right, ladies and gents, that's going to wrap up the first show of 2012. It went by very, very, very quickly, I might add. An hour and a half as opposed to three hours, but we blasted right through it. We'll see if we get something next week that will border more along the lines of the three-hour mark. Hopefully, we will be able to address and have a guest from combat zone wrestling uh czw will be putting an event on next weekend at the ecw arena it will be the last event at the ecw arena which is pretty historic and we may have some talent from czw on board for the show next week and who knows we may be even giving away some tickets for the czw event in philly 
We'll see how that goes. But until then, I'm going to close things out by saying thank you guys for all your support in 2011 and be on the lookout for all the awesome shit that we are going to do in 2012. I guarantee you it's going to be some of the coolest shit you've seen. I'll see you guys. That's going to be it. Ugh, that was a terrible closeout, but you've just heard My Take Radio episode 122 for Thursday, January 5th, 2012. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested on being a guest in a live show or for our interview series, MTR Beyond the Mic or MTR Behind the Mic, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you have any feedback or you want to answer any of the questions asked on air, 347-815-0687. 347-815-0MTR is our feedback line. Feel free to leave your comments there. If you don't want them played on air, please make sure to let me know and we will not play them. If you're on any social media, you can follow us. You can follow us on Twitter, My Take Radio. If you're in the uh, wasteland known as MySpace, we are there as well. Facebook, you know the deal, facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. If you got any questions about games, comics, movies, or even about the show itself, you can hit us up on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. And if you're on Google+, add us to your circle. Look for MyTakeRadio there, add us. We're probably going to be doing more Hangouts on Google Plus in the near future with our listeners, so be on the lookout for that. Last but not least, you want to listen to MTR on the go? Pick up the My Take Radio app for your iOS and Android devices. It's $1.99. You can pick it up in iTunes or in the Amazon store for for Android devices. Last but not least, you can also catch MTR on Stitcher, stitcher.com forward slash mytake. Enter my take in the promo code and you'll be able to be, well, you'll be entered for a giveaway for a $100 gift card. You can also catch us in the Zune Marketplace, Blueberry, Miro, and of course simulcasting currently via Mixler on our Facebook fan page. Thank you guys for listening. Props to Slick for always stepping up and helping us out. And from all of us here in MTR, thanks for the support. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Taking us out this week, I think we are going to go... I figured we're going to go with uh, Spittin' Narcissism. You can pick that up at ocremix.org. It is the theme music for Vega from Street Fighter. And I figured it was something nice and mellow to start the year off right. Peace. Peace.